I'd love to go into the round table. And I know Liz specifically was so excited about you, wanted to talk to you. Um, so I'd like for her to kind of take start us off today. Sure. Here I am. Hey. And you I, can ask um, me anything, by the way. You don't have to worry about any, you know, that nothing's nothing's off Perfect. the table. Well, I just wanted to say that I threaded you on um, threads and I said that I was so happy to see you. So I'm happy oh, to cool. have this call with you. I was the, and so I was happy to have that. But I just wanted to say that your whole life trajectory has been such an inspiration for me. After my mom passed away, I was like homeless couch surfing and like to read about someone in a book or to, to just hear your talks and have that experience meant so much because before that I would walk into rooms and be like, I don't want people to know that I was sleeping on someone's couch yesterday. Um, and mm -hmm. so like your content has helped me mature and really mm -hmm. fill the shoes that I always could. So I wanted to thank you for that. Um, and thank so you a little bit about me. My mom, as you can see, is my biggest hero and she passed away in 2013. Up until then, my, my biggest plan was, I wanna to go to college, make a lot of money and give it to the world. And when she passed away, I remember thinking that she passed away suddenly from a brain aneurysm. And I remember mm -hmm. thinking I had two options, which was to be miserable because I couldn't give my mom the world, or I, wanted, or I could go on this journey to help other people kind of um, get there before it was too late, which led me to working at the Smithsonian, the African American Museum. Um, and one mm -hmm. of my mentors there gave me a book she was like, I know you love history and research, but I really think you have a unique talent with data and marketing. So she gave me a book and that kind of sent me on a, a spiral. And uh, I love her to this day. Her name is Lene, still keep in touch with her. And so I moved back to New York, started doing marketing for a series of Catholic schools. Um, I did that successfully by building partnerships, got Google to pay for a maker lab, like a $2 million maker lab. And then once that was kind of over, a lot of my mentors were like, Liz, we think it's time for you to move to the next phase. So I got um, hired as the youngest executive director to the National Supermarket Association. Um, and there what I did was leverage technology um, so that we could get other data and work with companies like PepsiCo and Coca-Cola um, to um, use that data to make products based on the clientele that we had. And so it was great. And then the pandemic came and it really forced me to relive being food insecure, relive like all the mm. situations that we were. Mm. And I remember thinking I can, I can do something about this. So I, I shifted all my attention from the supermarkets to taking excess food and feeding people. And then I was like, there's a real thing here. So I started my own company, raised $2.6 million in six months. And we created an app kind of like Uber Eats, but for people who is who are in food insecure. And mm -hmm. so they could choose the, the food they wanted. They could choose the restaurant and they could choose to either pick it up or eat it. There. And then on the back end, really the beauty of the app is that we collected all this data to be able to fight policy in New York so that people who had food stamps could use them at restaurants. And so with our data, they were able to implement this kind of policy. And then we worked mm -hmm. with hospitals so that we could tackle social determinants of health. Um, through this whole process with Gary, the, I think the big le biggest lesson I've learned is that you can have the craziest dreams, but if you're not aligned with your co-founders, they can really destroy everything. And so really what happened was that I was so focused on building that I didn't realize that my two co-founders were not as invested in my community and they just wanted to sell our data to make a bunch of money. And so I sold yeah. my shares a year ago. Um, and, it, and it's been a year now. And it's, it's been a hard year because it's like your baby, you know, you give birth to this like startup and you do everything, you hustle, and then you kind of step back and you're like, what, what's there? But that time has given me the opportunity to intern at places like Vayner, which I'm interning now. And it's really cool to mm -hmm. see Gary, not just behind a computer screen, but like mm -hmm. in a consulting way. Um, mm -hmm. But what kind of was reawakening me is that the original idea that I had at my up, startup that feed forward it's still there because what the founders the other founders wanted to do they did but integrity of the data and what i wanted to do still exist and it just made me realize that i don't need to start a company to do it i think that this product is going to change oh. into like a licensing oh can you hear me now hello you can hear me okay cool um but she left You guys can still hear me though, right? 
I can. Yeah, I think it was her. I think it was her computer. She looked like she froze right as she started saying something. Mm -hmm. There you go. Hey, just froze for me. You were saying that um, at Food Forward, the, you, you made you realize da da da. Yeah, so it made me realize that we tried to build this whole. And by the way, I should mention that the whole company was run based on my connection. So we use blockchain, we put it on food so that we could source food from A to Z. And we mm -hmm. use my supermarket connections to leverage these like Wegmans and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I was a 10% owner and they were like 90% owners. And every time we were gonna talk about equity, they would change the subject. Um, so I learned a lot of lessons at this company. And the most important lesson I learned was that what I wanna do doesn't need to be a full blown like company right now, it's it's a it's a product that can be licensed, um, and I'm enjoying the journey that I'm on now, at Vayner consulting on the side because it just better improves the technology I'm trying to build. My question to you is twofold. The first is I would love to have some advice on how to find um, female mentors in tech because I find it to be difficult. Like I already talked to John Henry and he's my boy. I love him. But like, mm -hmm. I would love to be connected with, with a female because I think that a lot of the issues that I face are like walking in the room and being asked if I'm the executive assistant. And I'm like, bro, I'm not the executive assistant, but like, mm -hmm. okay. Um, and then the second thing is I am not raising money right now, but I know that as I continue to hone in on this technology and all uh, like I have over 20,000 data points, um, what's the best way to start approaching companies Last time I was lucky enough to have a back pocket connection. Um, we got funded by the one of the creators of Slack, but I feel like he has a very different vision of how he wants to invest and who he wants to invest in. And it tends to be like white males and that's fine, but I just don't think I'm gonna wanna approach him again because working with him felt like instead of being an investor that gave us money and resources, it was kind of like an investor that gave us money and disappeared. And I want to work with an investor that's going to be like, hey, Liz, because I have friends who have CPG companies and I see the way that their investors really sit with them and help them grow. So I'd love any insight mm -hmm. on like finding mm -hmm. the right investor and like that path. But thank you so much for your time. Sure. Thank you for the context. OK, so um, on the investment side, uh, do you have a non-compete with the previous company? You don't have nope. you didn't sign a non-compete at all. And so the previous company, yeah. I'm sorry. I said, I got a really good lawyer um, and she kind of fought all the fights for us. So I got no non-compete, no non-disclosure. Um, I have full access to all the data and all of that kind of stuff. So it still exists and it's still active for food forward. So it still exists, but because I'm not there anymore, it's kind of like an LLC in name. And so the old co-founder took basically built like a, a holding company with feed forward and had nonprofit under it and is doing other things but people don't really refer to it anymore so if i were to start something new it it would be fine basically yeah mm -hmm. have you have you contacted gooder jasmine crow no but i will write that down so jasmine yeah. is a is a is a portfolio founder at backstage she has gooder which all you have to do is G O O D R, and all you have to do is look it up. You'll you'll find your person. You all are uh, a match, you know. And what she started out doing was, um, she had a different job, and she would do like the same way you 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 thought about people being able to choose select from restaurants, which I still I'm kind of curious about because it's hot food. But being able to choose from restaurants, she would uh, feed the homeless but she would give them tables with tablecloth in a menu. And so she would make several items and they could choose what they wanted at these dinners. And she just did that for, for, for herself. And she turned that into uh, a, um, a company that goes to the airport, goes to airports, goes to sports games, et cetera, picks up the food that is not being used, like the new food that's being thrown away. And then it, uh, the technology helps you transfer it to where it needs to go, saving people millions of dollars a year and also giving people food every day. And 
the reason I, I mean, I think you should know her just in general. It's, it's always good to know who's in your, uh, you know, the landscape. But I think that if you research her enough and you like what she has, she has a TEDx talk, things like that. I think um, you do have enough of a differentiated uh, feature, if you will, for her, um, that it could be something interesting for her. And so instead of going to start a whole new company, it could be interesting. Again, you want to do a lot of research. You don't want to go to her because you don't know. But you have your lawyer. You might want to get in touch with her. I'm happy to help you do that. And you might say, hey, this is something that you can add to what you're already doing because they 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 make millions of dollars a year. They raise millions of dollars. And I think that the two would be a really interesting, powerful thing. And she might have already looked at this and, you know, said it's not something she wants to do, but you never know. So that's just one thing I, I think of before I even think about like trying to find investors. Um, the other thing is um, if you can find a way like with your connections to the grocery and thing like that, like grocery people, if you can find a way to self fund, like just have customers and just do this and kind of go back in it, you're going to take away so much of the heartache. Um, you don't have to have necessarily a co-founder anymore. Or you can, or you can over time choose a co-founder with less uh, restraints and urgency because you're not trying to grow at these astronomical rates that a VC would need you to grow. And so you can just kind of turn this back, this lifestyle brand, as you said, kind of back into what you want it to be and let it organically grow. That's what I would do in, in this part of, if I were you at this point in your life and I had gone through what you went through, I would just say, can I pick up the phone and call two or three grocer, grocers in my network and, and have some sort of service for them or some sort of data for them that is, you know, you, you don't want to be mining data and, and just selling it. But, you know, I'm sure you have a, a, a compliant way to do that. And can I just have customers and just kind of build from there um, and then bring in bring in the, a, another technical person, bring in another operations person, one at, one at a time. I would do that. And then, yeah, of course, there's the funding route. Um, I'm just not, you know, I don't go there first. I don't I don't yeah. go there first. But if you, to learn more about that, actually, you can go to arlensacademy.com. And I have a 16-hour course that's free called How to Raise Capital from Scratch. So plenty, plenty of information Thank there you. about it. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank Let me you. ask you, this is a separate question. Lana, Lana, at the, at the uh, museum, your mentor? Oh, Lene, yeah. Yeah. Oh, did it freeze again? No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Jacqueline, I'm like, is it the internet at the offices or is it? I think it's her. I think it's she's freezing because the four of us are like fine. Okay, cool. Could also be Vayner, shoddy Wi-Fi. No, I think it's a. Uh... By the way, so much value in like that little segment. Like I'm freaking out. It's awesome. I love that. It's funny because I, I think it may be that I'm not using Chrome. Okay, um, I'm on Chrome now. Hopefully, that I won't go away yet. Um, Lana from the from Washington. Smithsonian. Yeah. Is she yeah. still there? Still at the museum? She left recently. She's at White and Kennedy now. Do you have anybody at the museum that you're close with, that you can connect with? Yeah, I'm still. I connect every July with the president of Smithsonian Associates. We're best friends. Okay, because I have something I've been wanting to do. And it might be interesting yeah. if we could work on it together. So I bought Janet Jackson's prize truck two years ago um, at auction. Wow. He's like one of my wow. heroes. And she had this truck and it was a whole moment. It's on video. It's this whole thing. And it's a truck that means a lot to her. And it came with the phone call. And I've met her, since, you know, met her again since and talked about it. So this is whole thing. There's, it's like impressed and stuff. And I would like to have it at the this very particular your the museum that that's where i want it mm -hmm. and um but it you know it's a process to get in it'd be wonderful to talk to somebody about doing that and i would transfer it I, over there i got you i'm gonna connect you with someone let me just okay. hit, um hit her up first and then let you okay. know perfect, perfect. yeah that's you can awesome. look up yeah i'll say or you can look it up just like arlen janet truck and you'll see the the details it's very cool. Okay, awesome. And then your question about mentors. Um, I mean, 
First of all is the Easter Ray response, which is make sure you're not just looking for people who are like miles away from you, ahead of you for mentorship. Look a little bit at peer mentorship, um, but this, and that that's kind of lower hanging fruit, easier to find. Also, like you you were at the at VCon. Are you at Black Women Talk Tech? Are you that was in Brooklyn a few weeks ago, like the day before VCon? I, I spoke there essentially. Um, are you at are you at these different places where you're in the room already? You know, and and that, those are really great places. So you can see your people who are speaking, or people who are doing workshops, or people who are who ask a question and they say, "I'm doing this, this, and this," and you hear what they were doing. You're like, "Oh, that's the person I need to be talking to." That's a really good way of doing that. You can also join. Um, you can also like I have uh, like an inner circle, and a lot of people do. Like Rachel Rogers has one, which is really great. Rachel Rogers wrote, uh, "We should all be millionaires." She's amazing. She has her own kind of um, inner cir circle program or some sort of program that's that's for entrepreneurs. Um, Lamar Tyler has a great one for um, uh, for entrepreneurs, and this is people of color. So Rachel's is mostly women. In fact, I don't know if it's not if I've seen any men at her events. If now that I'm thinking about it, so you got a great intersection there if you're looking for it. And then I have one too, and you can reach out to me if you're interested in that. It's the only way I'm able to do coaching because of, of the of my schedule. Um, so it's an inner circle. I will definitely but, reach out. Yeah, those are a few ways. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, John. Do you want to go next? Sure. <clears throat> so, hey, I'm John. Um, I am, yeah, I told you I'm in Tampa, Florida. We, um, so we have a uh, nonprofit that we run down here um, that is a kind of a holding company for uh, kind of social enterprises. So like right now I'm in my, um, we have a bicycle shop that does like refurbished bikes. And um, the, at the heart of this is all the services sales revenue goes into like an earn a bike program. So people that cannot mm -hmm. afford to meet their transportation needs can get a bike through community service hours. We do services on sliding scale. Um, a couple other things in that ecosystem. We have a mobile kind of grocery that is called the free market. And it is, as it sounds free, uh, mm -hmm. we just get food that might go wasted, get it to people that might go without. And it is kind of an onboarding to, it's an excuse to build relationships, but we're doing like 27 distributions a month right now. Most of those are repeated either monthly or weekly kind of around town, um, just in food insecure communities here so that we're able to stay in touch, kind of hear what's going on, figure out who needs transportation. Um, we are dipping our toes into some housing stuff. It's a real need here in Florida. Uh, I mean, everyone's moving here. So property values are going way, way up. And a lot of people don't are, let's say, very precariously housed. And we're trying to figure that out. We have one house with a couple guys that we rent right now. Nothing really um, special about it. It actually just loses money and we got a couple guys housed and that feels great. But like, we're looking to kind of figure that out. A <clears throat> um, couple other little projects we have going on. There's like a, a thing called well fed that is like uh, education around kind of food systems, mostly working with youth. They do some adult cooking classes as well, but just think like the life cycle of a plant. So everything from gardens and seed to like food prep production to composting kind of, building, helping make food make sense and build our relationship around food. Um, so, and I'm not exactly um, sure what to ask you to be honest, um, just like kind of where we're, because our, I, I think because our space, I think my question, and I don't know how to articulate it, is at, we're at this weird overlap, right? So this is all nonprofit, mm -hmm. but it is like we're making 60% of our revenue probably um, through earned income, like selling bikes and things like that. And some of the services, some of the cooking classes are for hire with other nonprofits, this, that, and the other. But like all along, we, we're really driven by these needs in the community and have not like been in a place where we're um, like, we just spread our peanut butter over way too much toast, like uh, <laughs> let's say constantly, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm not, I'm not exactly uh, like the best at like uh, fundraising, philanthropic fundraising, but all of this was started just kind of like, you know, auntie gives this much a month and grandma gives this much a month. And I just like, a, here's how much we have to start. And we had started kind of building this thing up. Um, as we've kind of got more into running businesses and social 
enterprise, a couple things have happened. We've realized like it's this weird gray space between for-profit, non-profit, which is very intentional for us to have like dual revenue streams and kind of like hybrid this thing rather than like being a business that's a good neighbor, um, but also kind of holding that nonprofit status. Um, but what I've realized is some of the philanthropic dollars personally have gotten harder and harder for us to get because it's like, oh, you're running like a bike shop where you were handing out Cuban sandwiches to hungry people. You know, it's like if you did just that, it was way easier to fundraise for. So there's that. But then also like when you get into kind of investment dollar, um, there's nothing to, there's no real return on investment is for the community here. So we're looking more like this hybrid kind of impact investment stuff. And I'm figuring out as I go, but um, feels like we're constantly beating our, like it's making more and more sense to me what we're doing. Um, but I feel like we're, we've been um, beating our head against the wall a little bit with like actual, like uh, both revenue generation, both on the earned income. Like we have these like weird bootstrap businesses that are more focused on like giving away earn bikes than like, let's say creating a ton of revenue. Um, hopefully there's enough of a question of like this, this like yeah. middle space here of like yeah. operationally uh, figuring, figuring out this path. Even as you mentioned um, this woman before to, um, at Gooder, I started yeah. just looking at that and I'm like, Oh, how did that immediately? I'm like, how does that turn into like a company? Right? Millions, like, oh, millions of dollars in revenue. Does that work? Because they're just, yeah. they're, like, it's, it's familiar. Uh, but yeah. go, go on. I know you got enough to kind of work with there. Yeah, millions of dollars in revenue, and what in most people told her, Jasmine. Most people told her you should just be a, a, a nonprofit, and she just didn't mm -hmm. want to be a nonprofit. Some people want to be. She did not want to be. So she found the model where she's like, she found out that um, the government and different local governments pay, give you either a, a write-off or they pay you to take food and, and there just was no infrastructure to get the food from place to place. So she mm -hmm. developed the technology that the drivers and the trucking people could use to get the food from place to place. And then she became that, that person that got the food moved around. So it was like looking at it from a different lens and deciding. So right now, the first thing I would ask you is, is it work? Is what you're doing working and is it enjoyable? Like if you didn't change anything, would that be okay? Yeah, kind of. So I love what we do. Um, super like it's not even like feels like I'll say enjoyable beyond even it's an obsession right like I want to yeah. see my city function right um, and and serve the most vulnerable of our neighbors so building an economy around that is it working things are going great as in like the shop breaks even or whatever but it also isn't working in the sense that um, we're not able to let's say pay enough or hire the staff we need so like we're always mm -hmm. like you know so it's like yeah it works at like this like diet limp along version, but mm -hmm. to actually like kind of do what we need to do is like, we need to be able to like be competitive in the marketplace with let's say hiring mechanics or build out our team or, you know, all, and, and that's true with each of these. We've got a lot of enterprises that are kind of like minimally yeah. functional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's good to know. So it's, it's, you're already ahead of the game because it is enjoyable and you're obsessed with it. So it's not like it's this big burden on you and you're like, I got to figure it out and I got to scale. Those two things really don't work out because you're putting a boulder on your back and walking up a mountain. Yeah. But right now you're just like, I just want a jetpack. Like, let's go, let's do more. Correct. Yeah, I see gas for the tank. That's it. Yeah, which, which is great. So what you have are several very interesting models going on right so what that what that says to me is i know that there are entrepreneurs successful entrepreneurs and philanthropists who would if they only knew about it would want to participate in some way so you got to figure out what is something that could benefit them is it having a yearly event where they get an award or they're invited to to see what you bring in right what is there something that you can give them that they get something out of it, but they want to participate. Is it like um, we choose 20 local businesses every year who each um, pay 20,000, well, I'm just making up numbers, pay a certain amount of money to be in our, in our kind of our um, circle of influence right to to be lauded here and your logo goes up and you, you attend this event and you do this thing. What is that going to take to you to figure out how much money you need to do what the, the thing that you want to do on a yearly basis? And once you understand that, then I think that you can attract 
philanthropy. Who I'm seeing are the people who have companies of their own, of their own. So they're entrepreneurs. They very much so respect what you're doing, and they don't they don't need a heavy lift because they're doing their whole thing. But they're like, you're doing it, so I'm just going to give you what you need to do what you do. But I also want you to promote my company, or I want you to kind of, I I have my name on some brick or something, you know, some room. Mm -hmm. You have a wall at the at the bike at the bike shop that has like stone somebody has engraved people's names and they get to buy the stone like there's all kinds of stuff you can do the brick right there's all kinds of stuff you can do um i remember when someone was building something in where i was born in mississippi um they were building a big building and they they were just simply naming the seats they were just naming the seats in the building and it had like the little engravement and you could buy it for a few thousand dollars so that forever somebody's sitting for them so you can do things like that. I think another example is my friend Holly, um, who's invested in backstage and has invested in other things. She, she has a, a little store in Portland where she lives. It's a clothing store. It's a really nice upscale clothing store. And every penny of the profits goes to is goes to like is, is um, and so with her and what what made me think with you is like I have often suggested to her that she just build that out. Either she take that to other cities or, or she does a franchise. You don't really hear too much about like nonprofit franchises, but you have a model that's replicable. Somebody who wants to give back, but they don't have, they don't know exactly the model. They don't know what to do. And you can say, hey, you can have a bike shop, you can have this housing, you can have you know these different things, and you could you could charge them for the for the ability to use the name of it and the model, and for you to teach them how to do it. So these are just different ideas. They're not like yep. they should be small, but they're like you can you can sit down with you and whoever your partners are. Because you have it's a week. You can sit down and have like a staycation or a, a retreat at your place for two or three days and just whiteboard a hundred ideas. And you're going to pull two or three that are going to make money for you. And none of them have to, like I said to, to Liz, none of them have to include these major investors coming in. Because that's a whole new set of that I don't feel like everybody wants or needs or even knows is about to happen. But instead, if you have some, just some people who are just like, man, you've been doing this. Let me know about it. Do you have like video footage of what you all do? Do you have like a little documentary stuff? Get that out to more people. Like get something, get it documented, you know, get yep. these little clips. I mean, you you yourself are a personality, right? So just walk them through the, the bike shop and say, this is what we're doing today. And this is my man, da, 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 da. And this, this is what we're working on. You want to come down here? That kind of stuff really translates to people spending money on uh, it's helpful. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. You got a gold mine, essentially. You got a gold <laughs> mine, and all it takes is mining it. You, yeah. you know, gold mine and mine it. Yeah. No, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think that's probably there's probably a bit of my own personality that's a bit of an issue with it where I want to I'm very interested in what we're building and and I'm good with the storytelling like I'm I'm happy to storytell but I think some of the just like just zero in and focus on the on the raise on raising has always been problematic because of there's so many plates spinning operationally yeah um, and that's yeah. what I need to be spending my time doing as like CEO of the thing and yet I'm, I'm also just in the literally in the shop right yeah and um, you that's can be find another like-minded person and say hey for six months we're not yeah. going to make much together but we'll be together right. in this can you can you take this part of it and i'll take this part of it like i'm a big fan of the of the power of two and again i don't know what your setup is but i'm a big fan of the power of two and everybody talks about this you know everybody all the gurus are basically learning from the same three people so we all talk about this fact that you have someone who is who can build and someone who can sell. Simple yep. as build and sell. Operator and salesperson. If you're one person who does does both, you're unstoppable. Uh, that's a Gary, right? That's a me. Yeah. Yep. But it's also like I can do both, but I choose not to. I I always always have one person who is like operating, operating, operating. So I'm selling, selling, selling. 
And because I know I can do both if I need to step in. So if you know, if you, you know, you have the vision and then you can articulate it to a person, but you know that they have some incentive and they're good at what they do and they can go sell great. Or if you can say, look, I've been operating this for years. I know exactly the, the playbook. Here's the playbook. Let me go and sell. Mm -hmm. I can tell it the story better than yeah. you can. Then do that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to happen. Cool. Yeah. You can sure. do it. Think about why you want it to happen. Think about what you want the outcome to be. Do you want to wait another three to five years for the outcome that you want? Or do you want a year from now to be saying, look what we did in a year? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Definitely, definitely that. I mean, I got staff I want to make sure they have housing. You know yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Got the power to do it. Thank you. Um, Ashley, last but certainly not least, do you want to um, tell your story? Um, yes, but just to say that I got so much value from, you know, what you shared with Liz and John already. So um, cool. I'll just give you a little bit of, a little bit of the story. And then um, one of the things that I'm struggling with the most, maybe. So I'm from Trinidad, like I said. I um, uh, I'm a founder 10 or 11 years ago, I read a book by Gary and it was the thank you economy. And I was still in school at the time and it made so much sense to me that way of showing up online practically because of how noisy social media is, but just as a good person and to be kind and compassionate, it just made a lot of sense to me. So I work in social media marketing. I have worked in social media marketing since then. Um, I grew up in poverty and I've experienced all the things that that comes with that. So mm -hmm. food insecurity, childhood abuse, parents with addiction. I was raped and almost killed. And so I know that the world isn't fair and that, like, you know, crying about it isn't going to make much of a difference. Mm -hmm. um, but I, my own experiences, kind of my entrepreneurial mindset, even when I was looking for jobs or working in, in areas and seeing how my family kind of pulled us out of poverty and now working as a consultant, supporting other entrepreneurs really, really taught me that entrepreneurship can help to create greater economic and social equality. And in the past year, I've been working almost exclusively with nonprofits in the Caribbean who um, in different areas, so girls' education, climate resilience of co coastal communities, survivors of gender-based violence, Venezuelan refugees, agripreneurs, all of the different areas. But they kind of are also seeing that people want the opportunity to build businesses that will help them to take care of their families and communities. So from working with these different nonprofits, it's almost 200, um, 200 entrepreneurs at this point, I've realized that there are a lot of similarities in terms of the early stage entrepreneurial support that they require. And so I'm trying to build an ed tech platform that will provide them with um, capacity building resources and also some sort of microfinancing, because of course you want to grow, but you, you need, you know, you need money to grow, you need money to do things. So to be able to do that. And as I'm shifting from like consultant marketer to founder, Mm. I know that this is a part of the process, but like hearing no so much is just like, I know, I know intellectually that, you know, you, you just need one. Yes. Or yes. like maybe a maybe, but like, it's still hard. It's still frustrating. And I was just kind of was wondering if you um had any, any advice or any tips to keep going when. <laughs> yeah. So. I, de I do because I experience no's all the time and I talk about how it's a math game that if you're hearing no's it means that you're you're in motion if you're not hearing no's it means you know what are, what are you what are you doing are you taking enough risk if it's all yeses it's no risk and if it's nothing no feedback then you're not moving you're not moving enough so the no's are going to happen they're going to I still get them I got them this morning <laughs> you know no matter what I've invested in 200 companies I'm still going to get people to say no because that's people's preferences and so one of the things is the mindset of that's everybody else's business like their opinion and their preference is their business and it doesn't reflect on me it doesn't reflect on what they what what happens to me because I'm going to make it whether or not they they want to be part of it right the second thing is to understand what what are you asking them what are you getting said, said no about? Yeah. So I, at this stage, I have a deck 
you know, we went through the um, day one fellowship and I, I built out a deck and I am just kind of reaching out to people, the nonprofit founders and the government agencies, people who I know do grant funding for this kind of kind of work. But it's hard and people are interested, the nonprofit founders in particular, see the value in it because that is why they, you know, they hired me or came to me in the first place. Um, but it, it's an expensive project. So so maybe understand a little bit better. So you, you're you're building this and you're sending the deck to people who can do grants. Yes. No, no. Are some of those people also who would be your clients? Are they <laughs> bigger? So you're sending it to the same people who would be using it? Th that is kind of that is kind of what I maybe need help refining because the people, yes. who, the government agencies and the nonprofits that will pay for it are not necessarily the users. So the users would be the communities that they support. Yeah. So for example, we have, um, you know, a, an organization called Conflict Woman and they financially empower survivors of gender-based violence um, by teaching them entrepreneurial skills because one of the reasons that women stay in abusive relationships is because they're financially dependent and they're mm -hmm. abuser. So mm -hmm. if we could give them a little bit of skills to build, you know, how to build a brand on social media, create content, those kinds of things. Um, and to be able to scale that capacity building aspect of it is really, because I found that I was having the same conversations, which is why the idea for the- Understood. So you're sending today, you're sending the deck. And again, I'm, I'm hard, having a hard time understanding. Are you sending it to the big organizations that have, that do grants, and that is that who you're sending it to today? Or are you sending it to somebody else? Yeah, I'm. I yes, I am at that stage of sending it to them. I have gotten feedback, so I sent it to the nonprofits and things like that just to get their feedback first. You send it to the when you say nonprofits, I'm hearing two different nonprofits. So the nonprofits that you're getting feedback from are the people who would be like taking the you, courses online. Yeah, and then the people that you're sending the deck to, so you know that there's like product market fit. You know, people mm -hmm. want what you're yes. going to be doing right yeah. i think that's understandable but you are sending the deck to people who have and i'm saying up like to people who can trickle down the money who have the grants correct? yes yeah and what feedback are you getting when they say no i'm they're interested there is interest in it but i'm not sure if i'm just maybe too early or if i need like an mvp or i need a prototype or something yeah like it that. sounds like you need a you need an offer do you have an offer to them is it like what are you saying to them in the deck give me x number of money and i'll do y or what is it saying yeah the uh the deck is basically like um explaining the platform which is a mobile first ed tech platform and so what are you hoping somebody says yes to is there a dollar amount that you hope that they yes there is yeah. a dollar amount. yes so yeah what's the dollar amount the, uh, about two hundred thousand us dollars so and what is the total you're raising for it the 200 yes and then what are you saying to the individual organizations that you're asking? It, it depends. So sometimes I'm just answering a call for a grant. You know, uh -huh. they have a grant and uh -huh. I'm just so right now it's one for 75,000. And then yeah. I would um I would match and that would be like a pilot program. So they're not interested in funding the whole thing. They, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I helped a, a woman who was an amputee um, start a comp, start a, build a project where some of the limbs can have different colors to match skin tone and she wanted to have this company like right away she came to backstage wanting to do this and i said i actually don't have a company yet you have an idea a really awesome idea so i'm going to just back you personally and just do the r d the research and development on it right and then we did that for about a year and she tested it and we got her somebody who could 3d print it and she did it multiple times that she was amazing and then because she had that time to do that she was then able to like withstand the long cycle of going into grant requests mm -hmm. and now she's like up for like a three hundred thousand dollar grant and it's this whole thing but it takes like months and months mm -hmm. to apply and, and to, to enough of them to get in the running for some of them so if you're looking for two hundred thousand first of all not in this conversation but just on your own make sure you understand why you're looking for mm -hmm. that particular number sometimes right. people can put pen to paper and come back and save themselves 50 percent because they're like i thought i needed that but i actually don't need that at the mvp i'm, I'm good if we don't have that right so make sure that number is very precise and then um 
And then make sure when you're talking to people that it's not a grant, that's not already pre preconceived grant, that you have a very specific ask. Like this costs, it costs $10,000 to do this. Mm -hmm. Another thing you might want to do is have language, if you don't already, around something being um, the founding. Like this is your your founding partner of this, your founding sponsor of this. Okay. People really like to be that because it's forever, you right. know, suddenly. And so you can say I'm we're I'm I'm partnering with five organizations to each put in forty thousand dollars, and this is what they get out of it, and this is how far it takes us, right? So there's one way to do that. Another thing is um, to give yourself more time. It's mm -hmm. like you you have all the ownership of it right now. You have yeah. all the, the the decision making. It's only kind of yours to lose, right? And I know this is I know that it's about damn time. That's why my book is called that. <laughs> Everything is happening so fast. We need to get people some help. But because you have this power right now, you can say actually what I want to do is spend the next year in development. I'm going to have the, the the website built out, whether I get the 200K or not. I'm going, to, mm -hmm. I'm going to have it built out over time, have people start to use it so they can, you know, get the content up there so people can actually start getting some success through it. And if you can show success, then you really got people. People are like, oh, you have numbers. You know, you can say in our pilot program, we did X, Y, Z, instead of it just being something that yeah. give me the money off, I'll build it. Um, yeah. And then you also are a consultant. So you are making, you know how to make money, you know how to make mm -hmm. an offer to people. And you can, I, I wrote down um, in my notes, be your own first yes. If you're hearing no's, 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 be your own first yes. So if you know that you have a $2,000 product that people buy mm -hmm. and you say, I'm going to spend this amount of time and I'm going to get 10 of those clients and that's going to be the first $20,000 or the first 10,000, I'll take 10 and I'll put 10 towards it. And that's going to get me the MVP and that's going to get me the person who's going to help me for eight, uh, 16 hours a, um, a week from hirerunner.co, which is my company. You know, like that's what's going to do it. You're putting that control back in your own hands, because if you just keep going out for the next year and you just keep getting, asking the same question and getting the same answer from people, it's going to be so demoralizing that you won't want to continue. You won't be able to sustain it most likely. But if you can give yourself an early win. And then you can do that by reframing what success looks like. Yeah. It's not the whole yeah. two. And <laughs> that, that's great. Um, it's really great advice. And I can, I can definitely do that for myself because I have built, you know, I could put together a small website. And, yes. Get perfect, some people. Perfect. If you can put together a small website, you need to put together a small website. Yeah. Get people on that sucker. I have mm -hmm. 25,000 students on arlensacademy.com and I can take it if I wanted to I could take it to people, but I built it from April 2020, April 2020, right after the pandemic hit. I just built it one course at a time. Mm -hmm. And now it's this robust thing that people, corporations, that's another thing I was going to say is corporations might be a play too, not just the nonprofit entities, but corporations who can like. Every, almost every corporation or maybe everyone has a part of their capital that goes to philanthropic efforts. Some, some of them are forced to, and some yeah. of them, right. And um, sometimes you just don't know what they're sitting on, what kind of amount they're sitting on. They, they want to do something, but they don't have the, the deal flow. They don't know where to put the money. A lot of times they'll plan that ahead. So that's the 2024 thing, mm -hmm. but you can have those conversations too. 20 K gets your logo all over the thing it's presented by it's all of this and again i can't, i mentioned uh, to john events people really like to be in the room and celebrate themselves okay virtual yeah, or yeah you just you just made the sometimes it just feels so overwhelming i just think you know like especially coming from poverty there's a whole mindset that you have to overcome in addition to all of the external hurdles. Like every day is like, who do you think you ought to do this? Like, oh, but yeah, you just broke that down. <laughs> yeah, you you are you. Uh, my, my friend, um, I was having one of those moments back in 2017 and it was in Houston, Texas in a hotel room and I was really nervous about something. And she said, do you know you are Arlen mother Hamilton? <laughs> 
And so yeah. now I said it to myself sometimes. I'm like, I'm Arlen Effingham. <laughs> Even if I don't feel like I am, you know, whoever, whatever your name, that's who you are. Who are mm -hmm. you to do that? That's who I am. Right. Yeah. That's who I am. Thank you so much. Yeah. And you might not want to be so uh, patriarchal with the mother effing, but you know, you can do <laughs> the effing if you like. Okay. I will. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I love that. Does anyone have um, any other questions before we wrap up? I have a question. So um, yeah. I feel like I've realized that I'm a serial entrepreneur. Like I had my first business at like 14. I bought like a t-shirt printing press and every summer after that I would make t-shirts and then um, I've done so much. And right now I'm going through this thing where after selling Feed Forward, I started consulting and now I'm getting offered like full-time roles at places, but um, I keep going back and forth on it because consulting allows me the opportunity to be a thinker. Like I know I'm really good at building things like building an idea for a new tech software. And I feel like, but that it's like kind of investing in yourself. Cause sometimes, you know, it could be like you create something that hits in five years or sometimes it hits in six months. Um, and so I would love to hear from you, like, as someone who knows that they're an entrepreneur, how do you find the right working environment? Like, do you do the full-time thing and hustle or do you continue to consult and like build that out so you have like freedom and flexibility? Um, Cause I think I'm struggling with, you know? Yeah. You do, either, there's no wrong answer to that. Um, it depends on your circumstances, right? Sometimes that having that full-time gig is the, just the insurance you need, you know, like you, like literal, like health insurance, you got to have that in place. And yes, a couple hours uh, a week or a day, you can put towards the side hustle until something happens over there. Or you can have it where you're doing consulting if you know that that's pretty steady and it's not like the crazy lifestyle that you want, but it can, it gives you that freedom to just work on the things and that, that autonomy to fail. Uh, which is really powerful, then yeah, do that version. Um, I I think that I'm really a fan of like the the like the creators and people who have their own agencies because they have their own agency. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right? Because um, I like that model for myself too. When I think about different ways, and I think like would would I rather be sitting in an uh, office or at home, working from home or something, and I'm being paid by the hour for my time? Or would I rather kind of myself dictate what I'm getting paid for, my creativity, my talent, my skill, being my presence, all of that? And I'd much rather that than to say, like, no matter what I do, no matter what I come up with, no matter how much money I make this other person, they're going to pay me $40 an hour. Like, to me, to me personally, that's not enough in life. And I did that for most of my life. That was my life, right? And now on the other side of that, I'm like, actually, no, I don't like that. I'd rather take on the 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 struggle of not necessarily knowing when what day payday is, but I don't have to think of myself in those terms. And then there's a hybrid. Like if you're working at uh, Vayner and you're interning and like you're you're meeting people and you're learning stuff, and you're getting paid to have that kind of proximity, that's a hack, right? So there's different things you can do to hack. I mean, there's stuff sometimes you do for free for as a hack. Like I volunteered when I was in 2013, when I was homeless and I was trying to get a, a touring gig because I used to work in, in, in music touring and I couldn't get a touring gig to save my life. And there was this event happening in, in uh, Phoenix. So I took a bus overnight. It was really terrible, got to the place didn't have a place to stay, but I volunteered in the morning. I said, can I, can I just give out badges at the registration? They said, sure. And I got to meet every single person who came in and I left that, that three days. I found a place to stay. I left that three days. I got a ride from Fiona Apple's uh, production manager, a ride back to LA. He was uh, finishing with Fiona and going into Tony Braxton. So then I became Tony Braxton's production coordinator. Because I volunteered for that three days, really discomfort. There was a lot of discomfort to it. There's a lot of embarrassment to it. But I was like, I'm going to hack it. I'm going to do it. It's, it's all on me. Nobody's coming here to save us. I got to do it. So you, you, you kind of plot and plan like what you want to do so that you can have the life you want 
just really soon, sooner than later. That's what I say. I love that. And I think that's just like, as Ashley was saying before, I think a lot of it, because that's what I want to do. But a lot of the fear comes from like, when I talk to people in my family, they're like, you're going to take a, you're not going to have a W2? What's the matter with you? And it's like this fear. Um, I think my last question, and it can be in 60 seconds or less, but um, I want to do what you do. Because I grew up in a place where a lot of my friends were told to drop out of high school or forced to drop out because they were a nuisance. But I see how they're creating and how they're building. And I wish that I could, like, sometimes I'm like, I wish I could just connect you with all the funders that I got money from, but like, they don't move that way, you know? And so like, what's the best way to bring money to your community? Um, especially when you see so much opportunity. Um, and like you, I love like investing in things because I think that if they make good money, I can make good money in the future too. Yeah, I have to run it at the 12, but um, the best way to give money to your community is to make money and give it to them at your leisure. That's the best way. It's not to put together a fund. I'm out over here trying to buy my fund back like so that I can just do whatever. Like I have such a high risk tolerance. If a founder comes to me and says, we're going bankrupt. I'm like, cool. Like, what did you learn? Are you okay? Like, that's all I care about. But if investors don't care about that, right? But if I'm an angel investor and I put 50,000 or 10,000 or $100 in a reg CF uh, crowdfunding and something goes wrong, I get to decide how I react to it. I get to decide what happens next. So, you know, do all the things I said prior to that and then put some of that money to the side and that's your investment portfolio. And again, it doesn't have to be a ton of money. It can be, I have $1,000 extra a year. I go to Reg CFs on Republic, on WeFunder, StartEngine, and I invest in five companies a year, $200. And I learn from that. And I support them. And I listen to their updates. And I build that over time. You know, that's what it could look like. Or it could look like your friends. Like, hey, I'm going to get you. I'm going to set you up with an LLC. It costs $250. I'm doing an LLC for you. Because I do that for four companies a year. It's a big deal. I'm gonna, That's I'm gonna amazing. take Thank you, you to so a conference. Much. I'm gonna take you to a conference. The conference costs three hundred dollars. I'm gonna take you to the conference. That's an investment. Okay, gotta run. Thank you so much for your time. So much. Have a great day. Bye, everyone.